God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain sect. Hallelujah. The Bible said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, says that, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Hallelujah. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man shall sow, that shall he reap. It means that if we give our lives to the word of God in our attempt to become spiritual, letting go of the flesh and the desires that the flesh bring, the Bible says that we will of the spirit reap life everlasting. Now, the idea of life everlasting is not about how long that life takes, but the source of that life. Hallelujah. It is not about how long that life takes, but the source of that life. Eternal life is called eternal because it is a life that is beyond the realm that we know. In other words, there is a realm called eternity. Now, eternity is not just oh, time keeps on going, but eternity has got to do with something that cannot be destroyed and then also something that does not emanate from anywhere. So, two things. Everything we know in this life, it starts from somewhere. Do you understand that? It starts from somewhere. There is a beginning to it. There is a beginning to it. Everything that we know, there is a beginning to it. Eternity has to do with what does not have a beginning. In other words, what is not brought forth? What is not brought forth? What is not brought forth? That which exists on its own and by itself. And because it is not brought forth, it cannot also be touched by anything. When I say touched, it cannot be prevented. It cannot be hindered. 
It cannot be subdued by anything because it does not have a source. Now, this eternal life is in God. That's why when we talk about God, we talk about the fact that he's uncreated. You understand that? And because of that, then the kind of life that he presents to us is a life that is unstoppable. The Hebrew writer calls it the indestructible life. The indestructible life. Now, that is eternal life. So when we talk of eternal life, it's not... ah. No, it's the nature of the kind of life that we have access to by faith. And that life is not finite. It is infinite. Whatever is in the earth is finite. But this life is infinite. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be limited. It cannot be prevented. And it has no beginning. It is eternal. Nothing brought it forth. Now, I'm showing this so that you know how you should appreciate things when we say eternal life. It's not, oh, eternal life, powerful, or everlasting life. You live forever. Because every human being that has been born in this world will live forever. Every person will live forever. When you put off this body, you continue to live forever. Whether you go to heaven or you go to hell, you will continue to live forever. There's not a point where you cease to exist. Once you have appeared here, the others are not. You continue to live forever. So eternal life is not about living forever because even those in hell who do not have access to eternal life they will live forever. They will continue in hell forever. Forever means forever. Every soul that has been born in this world is still alive. From the beginning of humanity, every soul that has passed through this world is still alive. Yarasan. Yarasan Tua is still alive. Konfuanochi is still alive. You know, Togbi Charlie. You know, Togbi Charlie. Togbi Charlie is still alive. Adolf Hitler is still alive. Do you understand? Yeah. You know this guy that spoke with Jesus before they crucified Jesus? Pilate is still alive. Do you understand? When we go back, all those who have lived before, not just those that were recorded in the Bible, now, if you think that the Bible is a recording of human history, all those, let's say, the Bible are those who lived. Outside the Bible, there were no other human beings. You see. All human beings that have ever lived in this world are still alive. Do you see? So they continue to live. They continue to live. And we will also continue to live after here. So that cannot be eternal life. The fact that you continue to live after here. Eternal life then has to do with the quality of the life that you continue to live after here. Please, you see, it can't be that you continue to live from here. So eternal life is not about continuing to live after death. It is the quality of the life that you do. That's the reason why that same eternal life, you can have it in this life, in this world, 
when you have not died. You can live that life in this world because it is the quality of that life. And that life is what we find in God as we come to him. That is our inheritance. The Bible says that those who through patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, they shall be rewarded with what? Eternal life. Now this eternal life is this life that we are saying that God has called us to have access to. It is a different kind of life. For instance, the earthly life that we live here, we live based on earthly sensations. We live based on earthly wisdom and earthly principle. But there is another life that we live based on heavenly sensations, which is the heavenly love. To love the Lord above all else and to love the neighbor. You see, there's another life that we live based on the heavenly wisdom, which is truth. The heavenly wisdom is truth. Now, that kind of life is called eternal life. It is the infinite life. It is a life that cannot be destroyed. It is a life that cannot be limited. Hallelujah. It is the life that we live in union with God. That is eternal life. So Paul is saying that the one that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. It doesn't mean that you will die in the body because everybody will live here. Do you understand that? But the corruption of the flesh is the kind of life that we have when we are separated from eternal life. So that corruption is that which dies, isn't it? That which destroys and turns into a different form or a degraded form other than the form that it was meant to be, you see. So the one that sows to the flesh, remember the flesh is a carnal mind, isn't it? And the last that control that carnal mind, that is the flesh. The mind that is carnal with its last, the evil desires and therefore the evil mentality that seeks to bring such evil desires to pass. So that is the flesh. So the one that sows to the flesh, what does it mean to sow to the flesh? When you are sowing, the aim is a harvest, isn't it? It means that if you follow the principles of the flesh, which is fueled by lust, it's a sowing. You are sowing. Do you see? You are sowing. You are sowing. It means that if you follow according to the flesh, it is not something that ends there. If you live your life according to the wisdom that is dictated by the lust of the flesh, it is not a life that ends there. When we sow, it doesn't end there. Have you seen sowing that we finish and that's the end? No. The end is the harvest, isn't it? So that's the reason why we are not putting the effort to live in a certain way and to turn ourselves away from a certain kind of life. It's because we don't understand that it is a sowing. And Paul is saying, God is not mocked. Do you understand that? God is not mocked. It's not possible for you to mock God. Do you know how you mock God? It means that you think that you must reap something that you have not sown. Do you understand that? You want to reap something that you have not sown. So it means that if you sow to the flesh, you want to pass the corner. It's like how we mock there's a mission system here. Like if you don't learn, which is what you have sown, right? 
you can beat the system and come out with flying colors, right? Yes, so now that is to make a mockery of the system. God's system can't be mocked. The human system, you can mock it by the system says if you learn, that's when you get the results, right? But you hold the results whilst you have not learned, right? Now that is to make mockery of the system. God's system cannot be mocked. It means that if a man sows to the flesh, he will by all means of the flesh reap corruption. And that will mean an alienation from the eternal life that is available to him. You can continue to sow to the flesh and reap everlasting life. See, this life that we want to touch, you can't continue to sow to the flesh and reap that life. Because God's system, you can't mock it. You can't make a mockery of that system by getting results that you have not taken the steps prescribed by the Lord to get. You can't mock God's system. What do you think? That's why you can't obtain righteousness without turning away from evil. God's system can't be mocked. You will reap what you sow. You may not like it. And you may even feel like if you say it, then it will come to pass, right? No. Whatever happens, this is God's system. The system that can't be mocked. Do you understand that? You can't have a way around it. You can't defraud God. There's a reason why when people are defrauded, they are offended. It's a mockery. Do you understand? It's a mockery. Recently, somebody stole money from my account. You get it? And it was through my card, ATM card. So it wasn't through the ATM. The person used it to buy something online. You get it? Two transactions. This one day when I woke up in the morning, I saw it 5.30, there about 5.30 something. But and three minutes later, another transaction followed. So I became agitated. Yeah, and the money was $100. So that's, if you change it to dollars, but it was 500 and something, 500 and something twice. So that's 1,100 and something. The other side. So I was very agitated. I was not happy at all. So I called the people, blocked the card. And even as I had called them to block, I was very, very, very angry. Then I realized that the money the person took to, even though it is something, it's not really... Like, it's not like Charlie, they've stolen. <laughs> There's a money be that you are going. It's just thousand one. I know that depending on how you see things, thousand one may be a lot. But honestly speaking, in this economy, if you are holding thousand one, you pass the bag there and come, it's finished. Do you understand that? Except you live alone and you feed on maybe one bag of rice and steel. You see, that if you're a student, you see, even student these days, thousand one. But if you are married, you have children. If you hear, <coughs> you go to the pharmacy and come, we are almost finished. Do you understand? So I realized that, no, I wasn't offended about the money. Actually, I looked at the money and I concluded that. Because when I asked the people, they said they can't tell whether I can get the money back. Do you see? So I looked at it and I concluded, okay, then I've lost the money. So let's make sure it doesn't happen again. Do you understand that? Okay. But I was still offended. And it was because me feel say you boom kwasia. 
That's the feeling. See, that's what made me angry. So I, it's not because of the money. And normally, when people steal from you, when somebody defaults you, the pain is in the kwasiebu more than even what they have taken. I said what they have taken from you is like, you understand? But generally, what makes you angry and offended is the kwasiebu inside. And that's the mockery. So it's not just that the person has taken something from you, but the way they took it, they have mocked you on top. That's the mockery. Do you understand that? And that's the idea of God being mocked. It's like the assumption that we can defraud God by taking something that is not ours, we have not sown for, something that we have not applied ourselves to. By taking that thing, we think that we can achieve that. But God cannot be mocked. That's not mean that if you mock God, God will repay you. No, God's system. Like, you see how I mean I could be mocked by this guy? Yes, I'm sure he's sitting somewhere very impressed with himself, right? I imagine somebody sitting behind his PC, the other side, and he's happy with himself. He tested one zero zero and then did another one, took the money, and did a third one, took the money again. I feel like, this guy. That's why if you see somebody like that and you don't control yourself, the other side, uh -huh. so, but I got the last laugh. I was able to get the money back. So bank with a good bank. They put the money back into the account. So I mocked the guy. <laughs> <laughs> you see, when the money came out, there was this satisfaction. So I was imagining that the guy would say, hey, uh-huh. I've met somebody that has been quicker than me. You see, so we think that God is like that. A human being can be mocked. Yes, a human system can be mocked. But the heavenly system cannot be mocked. You can't make fun of the system by defrauding the system. God's system is formidable. You can't make fun of it in terms of its integrity. You can't. It's not possible for you to defraud it. So whatever you sow, that's what you will reap. You understand? And Paul explains it that if you sow to the flesh, if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. This is what will happen. This is the reason God cannot be mocked. If you continue to sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. But if you also sow to the spirit, you will, huh? you will of the spirit reap life everlasting. This life that you are talking about, you will reap it. It will be what you lay hands on. You will find it. You will of the spirit reap life everlasting. So what will you do? Hallelujah. Yeah, what will you do? If you sow to the flesh, like some of us, we say we can't access spiritual things. We can't access spiritual realities. We don't know what is going on. God can't be mocked. If you give yourself genuinely to the word of God, it's a sowing that you are doing. It's a sowing. It means that this eternal life, which is what we are seeking to make contact with so that we may live from it, you get it? It will be made available to you. You will be able to ascend. 
Hallelujah. You will if you sow to the Spirit. If you walk in obedience, which is to sow to the Spirit. Because what we sow to is key. If you walk in obedience, which is to sow to the Spirit, you will reap everlasting life. If you walk in disobedience and you seek the desires of the flesh, it is your flesh that rules you. You will of the flesh reap corruption. Hallelujah. Now, what I want to share by way of continuation is to talk about the realm of faith. Okay? The realm of faith. Now, this is supposed to be a build-up from what we have been considering from the special program. Okay? All right. We want to talk about the realm of faith. Now, it is obvious to all of us, or majority of us, that this world is the three-dimensional world. 3D. Do you know 3D? 3D is what? What is 3D? Three-dimensional space. What constitutes a three-dimensional space? Length, breadth, and height. Wow. So three-dimensional. Three-dimensional means that it has a length, it has a what? Breadth, and then it has what? Height. Wow. So we know that in terms of the material world, that is how far it gets. Now, there are things in the material world that are two-dimensional. Hallelujah. And even lower than that, okay? Some of them we don't see. Some of them we don't even know them, but we can hypothesize about them because they seem to have an effect. Please understand? Yeah. So the three-dimensional world is our world. So whatever we do, we deal with this word, length times breadth times height. Is that okay? All right. Now, in this three-dimensional world is also the principle of time because the principle of time goes hand in hand with the fact that the world is three-dimensional. Is that okay? And time is what we use to mark the activities that take place in this three-dimensional world. Is that okay? Time, what we use to mark the activities that take place in this three-dimensional world. So we know that our time is according to the position of the Earth in relation to the Sun, isn't it? Yeah, so we have 24 hours in a day. Like as we've come here, we are going to spend some hours here. Does that make sense? We are going to spend some hours here. So that is time. So time and space, they go hand in hand. Okay. Now, when we go beyond this realm, or this three-dimensional realm, we enter the realm which is beyond time and space in the way that we know it. So in the next dimension, which is the dimension of the spirit, the spiritual realm, the time and the space are not there in the way that they are here. My point is not that then in the three-dimensional world, we don't dwell in places. We dwell in places. But the nature of time and the nature of space in the three-dimensional world is different from 
the one that we have here. Now, in the three-dimensional world, space there has to do with the state of a person. Space has to do with the state of a person. So the measure of space in a person in the world that is beyond this realm is also length times breadth times height. But this length times breadth times height has to do with love, wisdom, and the consequent action that comes out of it. So now these are the three dimensions of the realm that is beyond this space. In this realm, there is length, there is breadth, then there is height. In the realm that is beyond this place, the dimensions used, right? In this realm, the dimensions are length, right? Breadth, and then height. In the realm that is beyond this place, the dimensions are love, wisdom, and then what? The action or the effect that is produced from love and wisdom. It is the same reason why then we have three heavens from this realm. Do you understand that? So the three heavens speak of the three dimensions that I have mentioned. Amen. But back to space. When we talk of space in the realm, so space is your state and the things that surround your state. Space in the spirit realm is your own state and the things that surround your state. Now, the things that surround your state are a manifestation of your state. The things that surround your state are a manifestation of your state. Now, your state is made up of two things. What is of love and what is of wisdom? That is your state, your spiritual state. What is of love? In other words, what is of your will and what is of your understanding? Now, the things that surround your state, which has to do with how you look and the immediate environment within which you live, will then be a manifestation of the things that are of love and wisdom or a manifestation of your will and your understanding. Do you understand that? So in the spirit world, when you look at a person, what manifests before you is his spiritual state. And his spiritual state constitutes these two things. The environment within which he dwells is also a manifestation of his state. So if his state is good, if he has a clean or a proper spiritual state, his environment is beautiful and his environment is correct. If he has a bad state, then it manifests also in the kind of environment that he dwells. So in the realm of the spirit, space has to do with state. State. So space is state. Now, time, which is used to mark the passage of events and activities in this earth, in the realm of the spirit, there is no time in the way that we see it. But what marks changes in state? What marks changes in state? So when time is spoken of in the scriptures, it talks about the changes in state. It speaks of the different states. So every time marks a particular state. So morning marks a particular state. The transition from morning to afternoon marks successive changes in state that eventually culminate in what the afternoon or the noonday represents. Now from the noonday getting to evening is marked by successive changes in state. So time is actually the marking of the changes in state. All right, so that's time. So in the realm that is beyond this place, Space and time are actually states and the changes 
that happen with all of us, the changes that happen with all of us. Now, this is very important because this realm is the realm that we want to ascend to. And this is the nature of this realm. When you are subject to this world, you are subject to space and time in the way that this world presents it. Your life is your natural state. Your person is your natural state. Your progress is measured according to the time of this earth. And the changes that are marked by the times of this earth are going to be changes that are relevant to the three-dimensional space. In other words, if you are earthly, you mark the progress of your life and the upward trajectory of your life by the things that happen within the three-dimensional space. Do you understand that? So if you take your life and you want to measure whether you have made progress in life and you are natural, you are not living everlasting life, you are natural, you cannot help but to mark or measure your progress based on the three-dimensional space. So you are going to have to measure your progress based on the state of your body and then the state of your material possession. Because that is what the natural man sees. If then time is to measure such change and such progression, if you are measuring your state, then you are going to measure it as time passes according to how you are in the material. Now, the one that is natural cannot help but to deal this way. So you look at yourself in the three-dimensional space. You don't look at yourself beyond the three-dimensional space. Hallelujah. And that makes you live your life in a certain way. You mark your progress within the three-dimensional space. And that makes you live your life in a certain way. But the one that breaks from this three-dimensional world and begins to live from the realm that is above it, now we'll have to measure space differently. We'll have to measure time differently. So he will have to check when he looks at himself, he will have to look at himself within the context of the new understanding of space and then within the context of the new understanding of time. So Paul said that from henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. So to know a man after the flesh is to know him in this three-dimensional world. To know him according to the spirit is to know the man beyond this three-dimensional world. And what is beyond this three-dimensional world is the dimensions that I mentioned, which is the dimension of love, the dimension of wisdom, and then the dimension that produces the effects. All right, so now, when we go beyond this realm, the next dimension that actually we make contact with is the dimension of faith, okay? Now, that dimension has to do with the truth, the knowledge of the truth, but it's not the knowledge of the truth as we have it in the flesh. Because the knowledge of the truth as you have it in the flesh will still limit you to this three-dimensional world, but give you hope of a dimension that is beyond it. That's all. But in your present operation, you will still be limited to the three-dimensional world. Even though you have hope of a dimension beyond it, you will not step into that dimension. Amen. But the knowledge of the truth 
beyond the natural or beyond the senses, which is the spiritual knowledge. Remember, spiritual knowledge is also a knowledge, but it is spiritual because of its origin and the depth of the man that it is able to affect. Now, spiritual knowledge now is said that when a man has it, the man now is lifted beyond this three-dimensional world. Now, when I say beyond, it means that he operates from there. Amen. He operates from there. And if he operates from there, then the dimensions that are beneath it are subject to the dimension that is above. So then, if you can operate from the dimension of revelation, spiritual revelation of knowledge, then the dimensions that are beneath it are under your control. You cannot be boxed in. You cannot be held hostage by the dimensions that is below. The dimensions that are below do not control you anymore. You are of a higher dimension. Amen. So now that dimension of faith then will go with knowledge, but spiritual knowledge. Faith is belief in the truth, okay? Or confidence in God, isn't it? Now that confidence or that belief is because of the presence of a truth or the presence of an understanding. Amen. But this understanding is not the kind of understanding that we have in the flesh. So when we talk of faith, like people say that a person is saved by faith. You get it? What they call faith, they don't understand. Because that belief that happens because you have heard truth in the natural is not faith. That kind of belief does not make you ascend beyond this realm. The belief you have, like when I preach something to you, so oh, I believe, oh, I agree. Now, that agreement is not faith because it can only be faith if the source of that knowledge is the spirit. So if you have spiritual knowledge that you have agreed to, then you have faith according to that knowledge. Please understand that. But if the knowledge is in the material, it came to you through your senses and you agree with it, you don't have faith yet. Because faith is of a higher dimension. And that dimension means that the source or how the dimension comes about is not from the earth. It's not from the three dimension. It's a superior realm. So if your knowledge is three-dimensional or it comes through the three-dimensional world, it cannot produce in you faith. You cannot have faith when you heard in the world. You cannot have faith when you read in the world. So even if you take your Bible and you read the things that are written in the scriptures, you cannot have faith by reading those things that are written in the scriptures. Hallelujah. You cannot have faith. Even though you will know the things that are written there, because it will go into your memory, you cannot have faith. Faith is only possible when you now know, this time around, the same thing that you have known in the flesh, you now know them in the spirit. Now, the reason why knowing them in the spirit is key is that the source of faith in a man is the spirit of the man. Hallelujah. That is the source of faith in a man. So if faith is going to control you, its beginning point is your spirit. But this kind of faith that we talk about, its beginning point is not the spirit. Its beginning point is the memory. So if you want to believe, you have to call truth from the memory in order to believe. Now, this one is not faith. Now, when I say your spirit, I mean what is of your affections, 
the love or the will, and then the understanding. So if we say something is of faith, it must be born out of the will through the understanding before it can be of faith. Now, when you hear truth in the natural, where it goes is your memory. It does not go into your spirit. It goes into your memory and it stays there. When you begin to obey the truth by turning away from evil, then God grants you access to the truth that is in your spirit. In other words, now this truth migrates into your spirit. Let's put it that way. Now, when that truth is in your spirit, then you can have faith. Remember, your spirit is where your affections and your understanding lie, or the will and the understanding. That's your spirit. When truth finds its way there, in other words, you love the truth, you will it, and therefore you have a deeper spiritual understanding of it, then you can have faith. Now, if this faith is not present with you from the spirit, Anytime you have the word of God before you and you even remember it, there will still be doubt. There will still be doubt. Hallelujah. You see how you know what the Bible says, but you still doubt it. It's not that you want to doubt it. You can't help but to doubt it. You can say that you will not doubt, but you find that doubt is there. Doubt is that visitor that is not going or is that infection that no matter what you do, it's like a fungal infection. You know a fungal infection. You can treat it, treat it, you just give up. Do you see? And you just walk there because it's not going. There's a doubt. It's like that. You can't wish it away. It is present. When doubt is present, your attack is not supposed to be on the doubt because you can't touch it. You see, doubt is that enemy you cannot confront directly. So when he is there, he's there. Hallelujah. And when we have the word of God just in our memory, doubt will be present because the origin of doubt is our spirit. Doubt comes from the spirit, not from the memory. Doubt comes from the spirit, not the memory. If doubt is present with you, its source is the spirit. The only way doubt goes away is that that place where doubt is coming from must be touched by the word of God. If that place is untouched, doubt will be present with you. You can remember the word of God. You can read the word of God. You can listen to the word of God. You can do everything you want to do with the word of God in the natural, except practice it and obey it and turn away from evils. When you do that, the doubt will still be present. Hallelujah. Have you seen doubt when it is present with you? And you say, you can't do anything about it. You try it in, but you see that inside you somewhere, you have this gut feeling. You see, this gut, it's a gut feeling of doubt. Do you see? It's inside you. It's not going anywhere. What do you think? Yeah. So when you know truth in the natural, you can have a lot of information about God, about who he is, about his love, about everything that is said about God. You can read books about people who believed in God and what they said about God. But when it comes to you and your approach to life, doubt will always be present. Because the source of doubt is your spirit. The only way to remove doubt and to be thoroughly convinced about God is when you hear the truth 
in the spirit. Now, when you hear the truth in the spirit, you have faith. Hallelujah. When you hear the truth in the spirit, when you know the truth in the spirit, you have faith. There is no room for doubt inside you when you hear the truth in the spirit. Why? Because the truth is light and it drives away the doubt when you hear it from inside you. Now, it is this inside knowledge of truth that we are looking for. Hallelujah. Because that then will make us live by faith. Like the Bible talks about it in Romans chapter 1. It said, they just shall live by faith. Let's read from, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto what? Salvation. To who? To everyone that believeth. Now this believeth that brings salvation is not that you hear the word of God and say, ah, I agree. No. If that's what you think, you will then begin to realize that there is no power in the gospel. Because the power in the gospel is not in receiving the message into your memory. The power in the gospel is in its application to life. It's in its obedience. That is when faith for salvation is produced in you. So this faith, that saves a man. You say, oh, faith, it is by faith that we are saved, isn't it? Now this faith, what does it save you from? It saves you from evil, isn't it? Now how is a man saved from evil? How is a man saved from evil? A man is saved from evil when he makes contact with the truth in the spirit. A man is not saved from evil when he is turning away from evils. A man is not saved from evil when he overcomes. No. That is the reason why some of us don't review your overcoming to make sure it is right. God cannot be mocked. That's why you even feel inside you somewhere that you are the one that is saving yourself. Because you think that when you turn away from evils, that is when you are saved. So you assume you are saved and you don't review your turning away from evils. I don't know if you get me. It's like if you think that if you jump, that is when you are saved, right? Then you focus on the jumping. Do you understand? But when you know that that is not what saves you, but that is what allows you to make contact with what will save you. You get it? Then when you find that you are not making contact with what will save you, you go and review what you were calling jumping. Turning away from evils is not what saves you. It is faith that saves you. You understand that? Turning away from evil makes you come into contact with faith. It is like faith is there that will save you. It will save you from the evil. But you are blinded to that revelation that will save you. You are blinded to that revelation that will save you. And that blinding of your eyes is from the fact that your heart is evil. You get it? It's from the fact that you obey the flesh. Now, when you begin to obey God and to turn away from evils, the blindness is removed by God. Hallelujah. Now, the removal of the blindness by God has to do with the transformation of your own heart. Is the removal of the evil from your heart. It is our love for the evil that blinds us, right? Now, when God is opening our eyes, then he has to deal with our desire for the evil, right? Now, when that desire for evil is dealt with, then we have eyes to see. 
that eye perceives truth in the spirit. The eye that can now see. It perceives truth in the spirit. And it is in that perception that we are saved. Because salvation does not just involve the removal of the evils, but it also involves the placing of the person in a certain realm that makes him beyond the attack. It makes the person beyond the evil attacking the person. If evil is removed from your heart, then the evil can come back, right? But what constitutes real salvation is that there is an encounter that the removal of the evils allow. Okay? So that the person now becomes another type of being that cannot be affected by the evil anymore. So salvation is in its perpetuity. It is not in its temporary situation. Salvation is in its perpetuity. It's in the fact that you are continually delivered from the evil. A temporary deliverance from the evil is not salvation. Please understand that. So when we make contact with truth in the spirit, that is when our salvation is cemented. That is faith. Please understand that. That is faith. And that is what salvation is. Salvation is not because you agree to something in the flesh. As many people teach now, that's the major Protestant doctrine. If you agree to it, right, then you are saved. But that agreement, there are two types of agreement. The one that you agree to in the flesh and the one that you agree to in the spirit. You say, oh, but me, I agree to it in my spirit. No. You can't agree to truth that you heard in the flesh in your spirit. You heard it in the flesh. That is the source of the truth. Because you heard it in the flesh, your agreement to it is limited. Except you have heard it, you have known it in the spirit. That spiritual knowledge, it is the Lord that brings it to you. That's why faith is a gift. It is because people don't understand it. That's why the Calvinists also say that it is the Lord that decides who will be saved. Because if it's a gift from God, then if you have not been saved, then the Lord has not given you that gift yet, right? So the Calvinists say that when we are all born, God decided three of you, you will be saved. The rest of you go to hell. You understand that? But that is not it. It's because of some of these misunderstandings. Okay? It's because of how faith is. How faith is. So that internal knowledge, internal awareness is what produces faith. Now this faith is your confidence in God. It's your confidence in God. Hallelujah. It's your confidence in God. Now, you know, the final revelation of God or the highest revelation of God is that he is Savior, right? That's why when God walked the earth, it was Savior that he came as. Because everything God would do for us, it is captured in the fact that he is Savior. Because he must save us from something and give us something and keep us from something. He must save us from evil, give us righteousness, and through that, keep us from evil. Now, that is the work of the Savior. Everything, whatever God will do for you from the highest to the lowest, from the spiritual to the material, if God must heal you, it's because he's Savior. If God must help you financially, it's because he's Savior. Whatever God will do for you, it is because he's Savior. Hallelujah. And this salvation, in all of its levels, it is by faith. Hallelujah. 
It is by faith. It is when we are able to operate from the realm of faith that this salvation is possible. How many of us need salvation? In whichever way. I mean, all manner of ways, right? I'm sure if they say you should list it, we will not finish. Hallelujah. Yes. Now, God is Savior, but this salvation that he offers, it is by faith. It is by faith. And that is why we seek to operate from the realm of faith. Because to operate from the realm of faith is to operate from eternal life. Hallelujah. It is to operate from eternal life. And eternal life is the surety of what God provides. The Hebrew writer calls it the power of the indestructible life. That's eternal life. If I give you something in this world, it is temporary. No matter what you think, it is temporary. It is temporal, subject to change, right? No matter what happens, it is like that. But if something is given to you from above, it's eternal. Oh, but if God gives me money, would that money be eternal? No, because money is material, right? But what makes the money possible with you be eternal? The money is just the finality of it, right? But something has entered you from God. That makes the money possible. That is eternal. Hallelujah. If I speak a word to you here, that word is temporal. That word, we can hold on to that word until you suffer some temptations. You can hold on to that word until you suffer difficulties. Do you understand? That's why I know my place in your life. Do you understand? But when God speaks to you, it's eternal. And we must get ourselves some of these eternal speeches from God. What do you think? Because it is eternal. Look, if boldness enters your heart from God, it's eternal. You don't fear that it will be taken away. It will not. Nothing can be high enough to override that boldness. Because that boldness came as a result of an awareness of God in your spirit. And it's a dimension that overrides all the lower dimensions. It's not possible for you to go out. This is the kind of life we've been called to. Amen. This is the kind of life. Therefore, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Now, we know that righteousness of God, in this sense, is the authority of God to help us. Remember, when we talked about Jesus' suffering, how he gained righteousness. And that righteousness is his righteousness to help us, righteousness to save us when we come to him. Is that okay? So, basically, righteousness is authority, spiritual authority. Amen. So, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from what? Faith to faith. Wow. Wow. The righteousness of God is revealed from what? Faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall do what? Live by faith. The justified, those that are in alignment with God. Because hmm? that's righteousness. Righteousness is to be in alignment with God, to be in agreement 
with God, to have the authority to host God. To have the authority to host God. So this is how the just live. So when a person is declared righteous because he has come into agreement in his heart, his will is after the will of God. His will is not after the last of the flesh, but his will is after the will of God. This is how such a person lives. You see, this is how he lives. So as we are trying to turn away from evils to become righteous within, the message is that we live in a certain way when we hit this point. And that is what? Faith. So the just shall do what? Live by faith. Hallelujah. The just shall live by an understanding from the realm that is beyond this three-dimensional realm. The source of that understanding is the spirit. He lives beyond the messages of space and time as we have it. And rather lives from the messages of space and time in the way it is in the spirit. His source of understanding, compelling understanding, not an understanding in the memory, but the understanding that drives him. The source of that understanding is the spirit. The just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. That is why we strive to make contact with the Lord. That is why we strive to make contact with the Spirit of God. That is why we seek to break through the limitations of the flesh. Because the flesh is what is limiting us from living by faith, right? Remember, he that sows according to the flesh shall of the flesh report corruption. He that sows according to the Spirit shall of the Spirit report everlasting life, eternal life. And that is what we want to live by. That is our faith. That is why we strive. That is why we seek to turn away from the world and from the flesh, the last of the flesh. It is because there is a life, there is an inheritance that is reserved for us. And that inheritance has kicked in. It has kicked in. The Hebrew writer said that a testament is not enforced until the testator dies. So when the testator dies, the testament is enforced. A testament is a will. So there is a will reserved for us, an inheritance that is reserved for us. And it is by faith that we operate from the place of the inheritance. Do you understand that? It is by faith. That's why we strive to get there. The just shall live by faith. If the just are the people of God, then this is their life. They live by faith, not by senses. So Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 said, we walk by faith, right? And not by what? Sight. To walk by sight is to live within this three-dimensional world and to be influenced by it. Your source of influence. What is influencing you day to day are coming from the three-dimensional world. To walk by faith has to do with you being influenced from a dimension that is beyond the realm. And it is the dimension of a new reality. A reality that imposes itself on the reality that comes to you in this three-dimensional world. So we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Now this realm of faith, then above it is the realm of love. Okay? 
But the realm of love, like we learned during the special program, empties itself into the realm of faith. So for anyone to operate in faith, love should have been in place first. So the highest dimension in God is the dimension of love. Below that dimension is the dimension of faith. And that is where we live from. We live from the dimension of faith. Not because we treasure truth above all else, but because when love is going forth, it goes forth as truth. You understand that? When love, so for you to operate in faith, really, you must have love in your heart. And that is where to turn away from evil is key. Because love is not possible when we love the world. That's love from the Lord. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Please understand that. So for the love of the Father to be in us, we must not love the world. When this love is in us, we now are open to spiritual perception, which forms our faith. We now are open to spiritual perception, which forms our faith. And that is where all our praying, all our meditation, and all these things that we do now come in. Because in all of this, we now have access to the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, it says that by this faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. So in the material or in the three-dimensional world, there is what we call the wrath of the king that will come to him. Do you understand that? But because he was operating from a higher dimension, he forsook Egypt and he did not fear the wrath of the king. Why? For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So Moses saw the one that is invisible. And anybody that operates in faith should see the one that is invisible, should see that which is invisible. Do you understand that? Invisible means that it does not come to us through the senses. Anything that is visible to us, it means that we take it in through the senses. Invisible means that its source is not this three-dimensional world. So how do you see God who is invisible? It means that the source of that knowledge must be the spirit, isn't it? Yeah, so Moses saw him that is invisible. And so the kind of life that Moses was living, which was shown here that he forsook Egypt. Huh? What made Moses forsake Egypt and not fear the wrath of the king is because he saw something. That's what it means to live by faith. So when we live by faith, we do things in a certain way. Hallelujah. And it is because we have seen something that is beyond the material. We have seen something that is beyond this three-dimensional world. Amen. Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit. Now, the Spirit here is the Spirit of truth. Amen. Anytime you see the Spirit, that's the reality we are trying to get into contact with. Amen. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of what? Faith. Now, here, Paul is contrasting the works of the law, which is the sacrifices and those things that they did in the Old Testament. And he's saying that this spirit that you received, the spirit of God, the influence of God that came upon you, which is from another dimension, how did it happen? Did you receive it by the works of the law or you heard something in the spirit? That's the hearing of faith. The hearing of faith is not what you are doing. Hallelujah. The hearing of faith is not what we are doing now. It's not the hearing of the preaching. The hearing of faith is the knowledge that has its source in the spirit. 
And Paul is saying that the spirit that they received, huh, did they receive the spirit through the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The answer is simple. It is by the hearing of faith, isn't it? So it means that even the spirit of God, which has to do with the comforter, huh, the one called alongside to help, the influence from heaven that is brought to bear upon us to help us in our work, to help us change that which must be changed, to help us establish the kingdom of God in our lives so that the enemy is unable to now function against us. Now, this spirit, we receive this spirit by the hearing of faith. That's why to go beyond this flesh and to hear from God is key. But that is how we receive the spirit. Hallelujah. Anytime you hear something in the spirit, you pick up knowledge in the spirit. You have received the spirit. All right, let's go. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? Five. He therefore that ministered to you the spirit. Hallelujah. So now, he that ministers to you the spirit and worketh miracles amongst you. Now, here is a bit this thing. You can say, okay, the one that ministers to you the spirit, who is the one that ministers to you the spirit? Who is he? The Bible says that God is the father of spirits. Do you understand that? So we can say that it is God that ministers to us the spirit, isn't it? Is that okay? And then the one that works miracles amongst you, it is the Lord that works miracles amongst us, right? We can also say that the one that ministers to you, the Spirit, is the one through whom the Lord is functioning, right? Because if the Lord is functioning through him, then it is the Lord that is working. Amen. And in this case, the Lord is casting what we call the spiritual sphere. We know this. So that spiritual sphere, that good spiritual sphere that is coming towards you, it is the Lord's sphere that is being projected to you through the vessel. Amen. So we can also put the vessel there. But whatever way we look at it is the same principle. He that ministered to you the Spirit and worked miracles amongst you, so the ministration of the Spirit, where you make contact with the Spirit of God, that divine influence that comes over your life, that comes from above and brings you control from above, brings you eternal life from above. That Spirit, huh? how do you make contact with it? And worked miracles amongst you. So even the working of miracles, which then in this context will have to be the manifestations of the presence of the Spirit of God in the flesh or in the natural lives of the people. Hallelujah. So when we make contact with the Spirit of God, it is said that it becomes possible for things in the flesh to also change, things in our bodies to also change. Hallelujah. Certain experiences in the natural to also happen. It is possible. He said, He that ministered to you the Spirit and worked miracles amongst you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. So the ministration of the Spirit, the supply of the Spirit to you, which we are looking for, how shall not your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to those that ask him? Huh? This Holy Ghost that we are talking to, that we are all looking for, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. All this asking and seeking and knocking, it is so that we may have the Spirit of God. This Spirit comes to us by the hearing of faith. When we have perceived something in the Spirit, you are no more an ordinary one. 
You are no more a normal person. You are a helped person. When you have perceived something in the spirit, there is now a comforter, one who is helping you, one who is operating through you and adding the heavenly supply to your natural person, to your finite vessel. So the spirit of God brings the infinite, eternal component to your natural, earthly, normal component. There is a higher power that superimposes itself. Jesus said, I will manifest myself unto him. Have you seen that scripture? I'll manifest myself unto him. And he goes on to say, we shall come and make our abode with him. That infinite component, that eternal component is now added to you. You become the helped one. Hallelujah. And because of the presence of this infinite eternal component, then there is a possibility of certain natural changes also happening. He that worketh miracles amongst you, Right? He that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles amongst you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for what? Righteousness. Which belief? Naturally? No, spiritually. Huh? Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Verse 9. So then, so then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So it is by this faith that we enter into this blessing. Hallelujah. But because we are in the flesh, this faith is not easily assessed. That is why we subdue the flesh, that's this body. We subdue the body also in our attempt to reach out to God. That's why we commit ourselves to praying and to long praying. That's why we commit ourselves to fasting so that we may have access to the faith that has been made available to us so that that faith may come into our consciousness. You see, effect, effect in the spirit comes about as a result of consciousness. Effect in the spirit comes about as a result of consciousness. Change in the spirit comes about as a result of consciousness. Change, transformation in the lost kingdom comes about as a result of consciousness. So it is possible to become aware of the divine love that is in your heart. It is possible to become aware of it as it is present in your heart. It is possible to become aware of the divine wisdom at the level that it affects, look at this, at the level that it affects your appreciation of the life that is in this world. In other words, it shows you that live righteously, it shows you that sin is bad, turn away from it, it shows you that sin is the enemy. 
right? It shows you that there's a life after death. But there is also a component of this wisdom that you may not be conscious of. You may not be conscious of the fact that in this same wisdom, you could also now have changes in your body if you are sick. You may not be conscious of that, but you could be conscious of the wisdom in another way. And you see that it affects your life in a very powerful way. You have seen that you have become a spiritual man. Hallelujah. You know, you say you have become a spiritual man, but there are aspects of this same wisdom, even on a lower level in your own life, that you may not be conscious of. Remember, consciousness is what brings transformation. Consciousness is what brings change, or what makes the change something you can enjoy. So it is said that in the spirit, if you desire something and you bring that thing to mind, listen, I was explaining to you the importance of your imagination. Your imagination is for bringing things into mind. Amen. Now, if you bring something into mind, that thing will come towards you. So for instance, if we are both in the spirit and then you desire to speak to me, okay, or I desire to speak to you, that's my desire, okay, you walk towards me. All that I need is to sustain the idea of you in my mind in the way that I want to experience you. It will be allowed. That's why, remember, the environment, our immediate environment, even in the spirit, is as a result of our spiritual state. So you can summon me. You understand? Yeah, and then I'll come. Amen. So those that do evil things by summoning people, it's not gimmicks. If they have the power to do if they have paid the price to do it, you can be summoned somewhere. If some things fall into place, you can be summoned somewhere. Or you don't think so. Even if you say, me, I will not be summoned, right? You can still be summoned if the one that is doing the summoning knows what they are doing. Because in spiritual things, it happens. If there is no affinity between you and the one that summons you, you will not appear. So some of you, maybe you are into evils, you are working in church, you are into evils. And you are being summoned. So you see it. The question is, how is it that when I'm summoned, I appear? What do you think? Yeah. You shouldn't appear. Or if you appear, it is showdown in Little Tokyo. I went that movie for showdown in Little Tokyo. So you appeared for a showdown. It's actually, you appear to, if it's a mirror, to pull the person into the mirror. It's like cartoons now. So if you are the one summoning me, then my hand comes out of the mirror and I pull you into the mirror together with me. What do you think? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So in spiritual things, these things are possible. And that is what your imagination is for. In the same way, if spiritual revelation can hit your imagination in such a way that your outlook to the world is there can be an effect from the spirit even into your natural. And that's what Paul is saying, and the one that works miracles amongst you. But now that is changes in the material that have spiritual origin. That becomes a miracle, right? Changes in the material that have a spiritual origin. Say that it happens because of the hearing of faith. Hallelujah. That's how come at times when we are praying for people, it's important that they hear something. You get it. Yeah. Because when you hear something, it becomes easy. If you don't hear something, 
when we lay hands on you, she said, when you lay hands on you, you try to drop. You get it. And you know, when you drop, you know that you have received. You know, when you receive, you most likely drop. Do you understand that? The laying of hands is a communication, is the imposition of spirit. Is the imposition of spirit. Okay. So, and that imposition of spirit is being communicated as the hand is being laid. So now, he that ministered to you the spirit and worked miracles amongst you, right? What do you need? What you need is the hearing of faith, right? So that it can happen. If you can pick something in the spirit. That's why when you have not engaged yourself in the spirit and pray and you have not exercised yourself, it's difficult to receive anything. Do you understand that? Yeah. In one place, one of the apostles, I don't know if it's Paul or Peter, said when he saw the man, he realized that he had faith to be healed. Have you seen that scripture before? Look for it. Uh, the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholded him and perceiving that he had what faith to be healed. Wow. What happened? Said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. So this Paul perceived that there was faith in this guy to be healed. Something else was going on inside him. And that made the speaking forth of the apostle bring results. Hallelujah. The hearing of faith. The hearing of faith. The hearing of faith. And that's the realm that God has called us to pray for. It means that you interpret your life from the point of view of faith. You interpret whatever goes on in your life from the point of view of faith. And before you give a verdict on anything that goes on in your life, you must try to ascend first to see if you can pick something from God before you come and draw your conclusions, which then become a fixed state that you enter. See? So you must ascend. But when you ascend, you can pick something from the Lord. A different image of your situation can now enter your mind, right? Some of you, God tried it with you. So he showed you something that was going to happen. Do you understand? I first mentioned this, I think on Thursday I mentioned it, that God can speak to you in two ways. The one that is the hearing of faith, and there's another one that God still speaks to you, but he wants you to now migrate to the hearing of faith. Okay, so he's showing you that go this way. If you go there, you get the result or follow this. So God can tell you something that's not inside your heart. Okay, he can tell you something that is not inside, inside your heart. It means that now you must labor with it. So God showed you that maybe this thing, it worked. Then you thought that you should sit there and wait for it to work, right? Then you sat there and it didn't work. And you want to get up and go that then what you heard wasn't true. Do you get it? No. What God showed you, it was to help you fix your imagination. It was to help you put yourself in a state that allows for what must happen to happen. It means that what he showed you, it may not happen normally or easily if you don't hold it well in the way that he wants you to hold it. So you now labor with what God has told you before him by going back to him with the same thing that he has told you. So it becomes something that is now fixed in your heart. When it's fixed that way, it is fixed. It means that it will happen in the way that you saw it. But if it is not fixed in your heart, it will not happen the way you saw it. 
it may even now lead you to doubting that dreams cry when you see dreams. I saw something from the Lord. And I want to show you it's a principle. Okay. I'm going to tell you what I saw separate from the characters because the characters part is for me. You understand that? So a battalion, you see, peace, okay, or rest. Listen, peace or rest was being chased, okay, was being chased around. But he was not alone. It was with a battalion. You understand? And when the chasing was happening, the battalion was now beating. So it was a whole army. And it's not army that is working with so no armies that can fly and those things. Yeah. So it's like the battalion, all that they did, right, was to fight the enemy so that the peace and the rest will not be touched. So as the enemy was chasing, they said, this is our peace. This is our rest. And we will not allow it to be touched. You understand that? Now that peace and rest is where we enter into when we come to the hearing of faith. There is a whole battalion of truth that preserves that state and makes sure that that state is unaffected. So if God tells you something and you're able to labor to come to that place of peace with it, you have made spiritual contact with that truth. There is already protection. I used to say, maybe you watch it, the enemy is about to shoot, and then another person comes and takes the enemy away, and then the person is free, and the person is moving. If you watch those mystical movies, you see, what's the name of those creatures? They look like human beings, but they are some way. You see, Lord of the Rings and Ox. Aha! Those people, huh? so sometimes some jump into the air, they are coming on the person, and an arrow, maybe an elf, right? We shoot, and then the thing, huh? So now that was the idea. That's our peace. That's our rest, you see. So all the fight is to preserve that state. That is what happens with a person that enters into that state. There's a whole battalion that is arranged to keep that state intact, and the enemy cannot touch it. But if we don't enter into that state, that vision that you have picked, if you don't enter into that state with it, that vision can be shut down because it's a word still in the natural. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's a word still in the natural. When we see a vision, it's the spirit, but there's a vision that is natural. And there's a vision that is spirit. The vision that is spirit is the one that forms a part of you when you see it. Meaning you are prepared to receive it. The vision that is natural, even though you seem to have seen a vision from the Lord, it only affects your external members. So you can see a vision from the Lord today and have doubt tomorrow, even though the Lord has spoken to you. Have you seen some before? Yeah, it's because there's no room in your spirit for it. So even though that vision, if you close your eyes and you saw it, it is still something heard in the natural. Does that make sense? So all our efforts must be to reach out into the spirit. If we can get there, mighty things will happen with us. Amen. And the Lord will help us.